Hi everyone, I'm Christina Burnett, your host for the It's Natural podcast. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of It's Natural. We have another exciting episode coming to you, as today we have two guests, Amy and April of the widely successful podcast show, Shameless Sex. And this dynamic duo are not only hilarious in this episode, they will be talking about their book, Shameless Sex, Choose Your Own Pleasure Path to Unlock the Sex Life You've Been Waiting For. They have been such a breath of fresh air in the sex and relationship space as they are not only as the title of their podcast show and their book lend to it, that they are shameless in how they share in their different experiences, both good and bad. And I think that's so important in this space as sometimes that can be lacking or it can be very clinical. And then you have the other side of the coin and spectrum where it can also be just very shock value. But they do such a good job, not only with their podcast, but especially in this book that we discuss. I love how they share their stories throughout this book and make the topic of sex, which sometimes can be not shameless and it can have shame and different feelings arise through our stories we have, our experiences we have. And as I read the book personally, I really thought it was so well done because they did really marry the two sides with the information but also their antidotes in their own stories and sharing different tips from their educators, from experts that they've been able to gather information from. And they sprinkle in very tangible tips throughout the book, no matter if you wanting to have a deeper, closer relationship with a partner or if you are wanting to expand your repertoire and what you're doing in the bedroom. They share some practical tips for anyone who has a sex life or is wanting to expand their sex life from the importance of presence, learning to advocate for yourself, and then how this even extends in the bedroom to outside the bedroom, and tools for communicating with a partner, again, whether that's a long-term partner or someone you're just having a casual experience with. And as you will see, I had so much fun talking to April and Amy. They are just, their candor and their sense of humor will have you laughing throughout this episode. So I hope you enjoy and let's join the conversation. And congratulations. How are you guys holding up? We're good. Yeah. I know yeah, it's we're, we're always with the schedules and oh, all yeah, that goes into the launch. We're spending a lot more time uh, guessing on other shows, which isn't what we usually do, right? We're usually like, you know, doing other podcast things over here. So it's a different switch for us, uh, but it's nice. We like it. We're like, wait, we don't show up with the questions? This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's rare. When conceptualizing the book idea, was there an area that you knew personally that you had to have in the book? Ooh, the whole book? Uh, <laughs> no, to, I, yeah. I, I think, I, I mean, at least what's popping out for me is... The the way it's designed is very much shameless sex. The, the premise of shameless sex, which is no one should tell you who you should be as a sexual being. You figure it out for yourself. But here's a lot of ideas and tools. That, and here's how we can guide you to have a better idea of who you are as a unique sexual being. And that's why we did the whole kind of choose your own pleasure path formula, because I think a lot of the, a lot of other material out there is like, here's what you should do, who you should be. But it's different for everyone. So it's designed to be something that's accessed time and time again. Uh, for people to really map it out for themselves. Uh, so it's more like the general concept of it. Uh, but I don't know. Is there any like specific areas? I don't know. I think, I guess. Or just even stories too that were, because you guys did share a lot of personal stories, which yeah. I thought made it more dynamic in the way it read yeah. very easily. And I think like the applicable tips and tools where it's like almost like checklists, but they're woven in um, and it was really fun creating, making, making the book fun and not so serious. Of course, there are serious parts, but that I loved. I, I loved weaving humor in where, where and when we could, because it, sometimes you can't, you can't force that stuff either. You're like, how do I want to say this to not it's make it so cheesy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I would add with what you're saying about the personal stories, 
um, you know, we utilize our personal stories as part of the like kind of you have to go through the heaviness to get to the the shiny stuff. So we're open books over here. I mean, we are happy to share stories that were really challenging for us that are in the book and some of them didn't even make it in the book. Um, and also what, what we've learned and how we've transformed that into really great things in terms of sex and relationships as well. So, yeah, we're open. I thought it was so dynamic, though, how you guys were saying you guys did disperse humor throughout it, which I always find helpful. But you added that it's very kind of clinical with the studies, but not in a heavy way. Then you have your podcast to also as a guide for people and references from the professionals and countless hours you guys have spent in the trenches talking about sex with experts to really help those your readers, you know, have that dynamic perspective and tools that they can go to. Exactly. Well, think about some of the topics that are covered. There's no way to to cover every aspect of what we even talk about with the shows that we've done. And so having the the podcast references throughout, people can go deeper because some people are like, wait, that's not enough information on role play. I really want to know more. So it's like, check out this episode or when you when you're talking about fantasy or right there's it's it's endless and it's always shifting and, and growing so that's where the podcast the pod boxes came from and and I thought it was going to be weird doing that I was because that is that bad writing because we're just sending people away to our podcast and then now because I just listened to the book on audio uh, and it makes a lot of sense I'm like that's great because you could just flip to that episode and get more information on it. As a reader, too, I love just the personal accounts you had from your community and their personal stories, once again, to able to connect and ponder in our own lives, but then also to take a little bit of that heaviness and make it fun and playful once more and that everyone's in the same boat <laughs> at one time or another. Oh, yeah. And how has your guys' relationship developed and held on <laughs> during this writing process and now promotion process? We, oh, so <laughs> We have this joke. Great question, actually. Yeah. yeah. We, we have- now the little tent all of a sudden. Oh, no. I'd say it's a joke, but it's uh, also very real. We Our joke is that we should have had a therapist throughout this whole process of writing the book. Like every week to break <laughs> down our feelings, like each of us. Not because we we couldn't fight. We would get into disagreement sometimes, but we couldn't fight because we're like, we have to do this. This is our baby. We, we're making this baby. And so, but we would work through any of our, uh, any, and usually they would happen when we'd been writing for 12 hours straight and something that we thought would take two hours, we're there for nine and a half. And we're both like, there's not enough fucking tequila in the world right now that can cure this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so the way we wrote the book was very much um, like a collaboration. And also it's almost as if we wrote two separate books because I was kind of the, the like writing the raw material. And then I'd write, you know, a chapter and then send it to April and April would essentially rewrite, restructure, add humor, add wit. Um, she she adds like, if you hear anything funny, that's April. I'm dry as fuck when it, when it comes to writing a book. When I like normally it's not as boring. But um, and so we kind of went with with that path. And so it actually worked quite well. People would assume that writing with two people makes it easier. It doesn't make it easier. Um, and also we found a really good groove for that. And with that. It's a lot of your time in your life. And it's as if we were in a polyamorous relationship with a book, right? Like April and I are in a relationship. We're in a relationship with a book. And we have partners on the side who barely got to see us during that time. And or our <laughs> yeah. friends. They're like, can you finish writing this fucking book? Well, Amy's also like, she's on top of stuff. She'll finish up. I am procrastinating. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, like a overachiever. I need a deadline. And then I, and then I, then I kill it. Right. Like I, I was at all through college and I would wait until the last minute and then I'd ace, you know, the exam. And you hit submit at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when it was due at uh, midnight. And that's yeah. just and I don't know why I don't like it, but that's just how I've always been able to operate. And I almost operate better under pressure like that. So Amy would be like, dude, you haven't finished that. I'm like, I'm getting there. And then sometimes that was to my demise because I'd be up until four in the morning. And when my arm went totally limp, I, I had what they call trigger finger, where uh, I lost all, all of my ability to even type for a while. And Amy was like, hmm. So that was interesting. Well, we were also just working on laptops and we're not, uh, you know, deciding to be advanced enough to actually have a, a screen with like adequate ergonomic design for our bodies and necks and hands and backs. And so it took us like halfway through the book to finally do that. <laughs> and that's what that's what caused it. It's poor posture. And when yeah. you're sitting for 18 hours, because both of us had other our, our jobs as well that couldn't completely yeah. go to the wayside. So 
Um, yeah. Anyway, that a book is a difficult thing and I can't imagine doing it on my own. I, I can't even fathom what that would be like. I also couldn't imagine doing it with multiple authors where there's three or four people. I'd be, I don't know what I'd do. It's funny. I'm right in between both of you. I'm like Amy in my style. I can get very clinical and don't ask me to add an adjective or an adverb. And I just, yeah, I'm just an extra fluffy clown. And to describe that cloud is not my thing. But I'm also at usually two midnights. I'm adding another layer and I can understand with the two different dynamics in that. So why this book? What were you hearing from your community and seeing that this was the book for them? Because you obviously had them in mind, just again, with the stories and resources you had sprinkled throughout it. I think that people really have been resonating with, uh, the, I mean, our podcast is called Shameless Sex for a Reason. It's the shamelessness of, not and again, it, uh, not again, but we've said this so many times. So again, but this is the first time I'll say it with you. Uh, when we say shameless sex, it does not mean that we are never going to have shame. We're getting rid of shame entirely. Uh, it's uh, shame is instead something that keeps coming our way and is or has we have a lot of history with it. So it's a teacher and there's opportunities on how to work with it. Uh, and we kept receiving emails and feedback from people. And I think just the growth of our podcast uh, was based on on folks really feeling represented and supported by not only the guests that we were bringing on to talk about different aspects of uh, sexuality and relationships, but our shameless sharing of ourselves. You know, even if it wasn't shiny, there were moments where, you know, one of us was going through a breakup. One of us, you know, their, our partner cheated on us. Um, our, you know, our partner wanted to leave us for someone else. Um, you know, I had an abortion, various things. So April coming out with her STI status, various things, various things like that, that have really resonated with people. Uh, and yeah, I think that it's just, it's really powerful. So the book shares as, as, as you know, from reading it shares those stories, but it's not just about us. So it's woven in, you know, it's speaking to other things outside of Amy and April, but here's our experience of not being perfectly shiny people. And it's not like we worked on all of it before and now we're shiny. Like we will continue to have plenty of moments in life where we are challenged, we don't know what to do, where we feel shame or we experience trauma. And so I think people really resonate with that. I thought it was so interesting how you guys started off too with the beginning of it, focusing on the brain. That's usually not the first, you point out it's the largest sex organ and the most important sex organ, but that's usually not where books start off. And I thought it was such a poignant and very thoughtful way to start off and kind of lets everyone's guard down because I don't know, there's like you're saying, at times, shame around different aspects or, and sex. And even when you're trying to explore or getting more education, sometimes you can put those guards up and you're hesitating as you're heading in. But I loved how you guys started from that aspect and that perspective of our brain is the largest sex organ. And let's start there with our thinking and that aspect of it. Was there a, more of a thought behind that? Like, was that your intention or was that just a natural thing that happens going down that route to have that as your focus opening? You know, when we originally laid out the, those eight chapters were, those were kind of the most commonly asked sex questions. We go in that in the, in the intro, right? And we kind of talk about where the, the, the underlying themes come from of each chapter. And that's the sex questions we've been asked by the, that so many listeners, right? So then when we had laid it out originally, we kind of mapped um, how it would go. And it went like, it went kind of four or five chapters deep of just the heavies. And the publisher was like, so do you, why do we have to have all of that heavy stuff first? And then we were like, wait, I guess we could move, but, but it ended up being past, right? The past, like, am I normal? Am I broken? Mm -hmm. Are we broken? And then it goes to kind of the present. Like, how can I talk about sex? Right. And then then it goes into the future. How do I keep the fire burning and and how do I become a, like a master in the bedroom? And so that ended up making it itself clear. I, I'd say maybe half or halfway through, maybe like 40 percent or 50 percent of the way through the process. Um, and it does make sense now when you read it, the past, present, future, because you have to go backward to get to where you are right now and then proceed onward to where you want to go in the future. And the past, present, future part is also the uh, choose your own pleasure path model, right? It's 
it's as you read on, it's not like, okay, every single chapter says continue to read on if these are the tools and tips that you desire. Sometimes it takes you back to a chapter because it's like, huh, maybe you have more work to do or sometimes to the future. Um, I said the future before to the, to the past. Uh, anyways, uh, but the brain part that you're asking about that being the the focus, I think a lot of people assume that their genitals are where it all starts or where it all happens. And now from this episode's sponsor. The key to sticking to any health and wellness routine for me is convenience and effectiveness. And I couldn't think of a more synonymous and aligned woman-led brand than Higher Dose. My love affair with Higher Dose began with their sauna blanket, which I found so effective and yet convenient to have all the benefits of a sauna packed into their high-quality sauna blanket. I still find it so convenient to have all the benefits of a sauna without the bulk of a traditional sauna unit. Still reaping all the benefits in my home, which makes me use it even more often as a busy mom because I can include it easily into my routine. Higher Dose is bringing at-home wellness tools using nature-inspired technologies to release a dose of feel-good chemicals, aka dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins that elevate your mood, promote a healthy glow, support long-term health benefits, and lift your spirit. Even though their sauna mat was my intro into the brand, I have since fallen in love with their wide range of products and have also added them to my wellness toolbox. Their PEMF mat and red light therapy mask are one of my go-tos, along with their line of magnesium products. The magnesium gummies and bath soaks are among my favorites. And Higher Dose was kind enough to offer the It's Natural listeners 15% off site-wide with the code EVERGREEN. That's 15% off site-wide with the code EVERGREEN. E-V-E-R-G-R-E-E-N. I know you'll fall in love with how easy and effective Higher Dose's products are and how you will feel afterwards. Enjoy! And, uh, and a lot of people, when we ask this and we teach sex ed classes, like pop quiz, what's the largest sex organ in your body? If depending on the room, you'll like your skin. Yeah. People say your skin and then, but they, they're like, okay, but they are already thinking probably not the genitals, but not a lot of people are assuming it's the brain and the brain is so, so responsible for so much of your sexual experience and response. And that includes like April saying the past experiences and stories that you have in your being and how they affect you today and how they affect you in the future. So I, I think that it's really important to hone in on that. And, and it doesn't mean that we're disregarding the rest of the body. And there are true physiological changes, changes, shifts and, and effects that um, our, our physical body has on our sexual experience. But the brain is still the, the, you know, the foundation of all it's connected to everything. And so I think that's really uh, to a lot of people, they might find it daunting to be like, oh, it's all it's not all in your mind, everyone, but it's very much related to your mind and your brain. Uh, but it's like be daunting, but it also can be liberating because that means that you can learn and, and experience new tools that will change how you are experiencing sexuality and relationships. And it kind of becomes an equalizer because, you know, once you analyze that, because I must say, as it's written, I didn't it didn't read heavy at all. So just to clarify that, it's not heavy. Like you guys did such a great job to being thorough, but with the resources with your podcast, the stories you're sharing from your community that you're sharing, it really read easily though. So I felt like it wasn't too clinical, you know, and you're reading a case study. I think when we analyze our brain and starting with the stories that we have from our past, it kind of becomes an equalizer, whether that's with your friend you're talking to, your partner you're talking to, or going into the bedroom with someone else. You can still have have these stories from our past. So I thought that was just another great aspect that you guys did. Yeah, thank you. That's why I think it is so different than most other mm-hmm. books on sex and relationships, because they either it's kind of an and or at this point, at least when we're talking to you, um, a lot of them are either really clinical or almost too that like you know uh, and I love like the how to tickle his pickle where it's mm-hmm. kind of like instructional but maybe almost too playful like it belongs in Cosmo 
and it's and great. it's one it's upping each other like on what step to do in the bedroom yeah. and what tip and, and yeah and you don't have the the roundabout the full right. story i think that is at least when my reading through my thought process in it too was it was interesting to kind of go back and to kind of question different stories i even had and said well is that accurate is that really how the scenario you know some of those stores are a little hazy, so yeah. it was good to go back. The other aspect that I really appreciated that you guys focused on the beginning and then you brought it to the end was the importance of presence in the moments when you are self-pleasuring, when you're with a partner, when you're with a group, whoever it might be, just how important the presence in your body is. And I must say that is an aspect. That I am growing in. I was like, yes, that's one area that I can grow in. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that and why that was such a great concept to bring to the past and then all the way to the future and why it's continually so important? Uh, well, I was almost thinking at some points in the book where we had to recommend presence so often. I was like, is this bad advice because we're not giving anything else? But that is great advice because. It, it is what helps you drop in not only with, as you mentioned, um, with your own sexual, like your own sexual self journey, but it also with partners or people, friends, or if you're at work, right, being present to what you're doing. And that just helps you not only tap into the things that you could be missing when you're stuck in your head thinking about, oh, my God, um, maybe it's are the kids going to wake up or I have this big project due for work. And or did I remember to shave my my pussy? You right? Or you're yeah. you're not you're not thinking about what's happening, the smells that are around you, the sensations that are in your body when your brain is not in that in that focal in that point of focus where you can drop into every single sensation, which is how you feel more. You you sense more. And if that's hard for you, we have tips for how you can be more present. And because it's always hard for me, I'm, I, I, my brain, it goes a million miles a minute and I Same. have to really work on, yeah. And I'm fidgety and my ADHD is, um, always very, um, you know, uh, elevated when I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, oh. so it's, it's, it's kind of squirrel something. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that I've had to work really hard on and I'm walking living proof that it has been the game changer for my, my sex life. And maybe not always myself, you know, my sex with myself, meaning when I masturbate, sometimes I'm not as focused or present, but it it is a, a great step. So I think that um, in terms of why it comes up so much, it's just merely because it helps you um, tap into some sensations that you might not even be aware of when you're not present and in your body well we receive the sex questions from people um i mean the uh, deep down the number one questions which are our first two chapters am i normal am i broken that's kind of like the, the the primary focus of what they're asking even if they don't think they're asking those questions uh and then our uh, top advice i believe comes from chapter three which is a little bit more about how to talk about sex which in a lot, because a lot of people are experiencing communication issues uh that's our response to most sex sex questions is you know, how, how have you spoken to this? Have you actually talked about it? And if you did talk about it, like, what, how, how did that conversation go? And uh, the presence piece ties in to everything from the communication aspect. You know, I can tell my partner about some issues in, in the bedroom or that I'm feeling about our relationship, but maybe they're not being present to actually take it in or vice versa. The presence piece also is really, really vital for knowing what we want and what we don't want, what we like and we don't like. If we're not in our bodies, when we're experiencing some sort of touch from ourselves or from someone else, we aren't engaging with our inner being to to tell us this doesn't feel good or this. And a lot of people end up tolerating a lot of stuff. Right. And it also helps us to, to discover what feels good so we can do more of that. Uh, but that we talk a lot in our book about tolerance and compliance. A lot of people have experienced so much compliant sex. Uh, where they were experiencing that, that either just was kind of like neutral, not feeling very good. Like eh, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't a hard no, but it didn't really feel good. And they didn't really speak up to it. And part of that also could be, I don't, you know, I'm fearful of worthiness, bears, fearful of actually speaking my feelings and my needs and uh, my desires. But if I'm not even being present for what's happening in my body, I don't even know what those things are. Just as I don't even know what those things are to say what I like and what I don't like. So I think that that is a pivotal first step is to 
start practicing and honing in on how to be more present for what's happening in your body, even if it's hard, right? Like sometimes it's hard to be present in our bodies because we have severe trauma or there's no hierarchy of trauma, but some sort of trauma or shame. We're being present all of a sudden that comes up and now I'm like, okay, I don't want to feel that. So I'm going to disconnect. And that's a brilliant system. I really appreciate that part of being a human. It's also frustrating when you want to be present and your your system's trying to pull you out of it. So it's an art and a skill. It's not a hard one. You know, our top advice for that is meditation, cultivating a meditation practice. And it can entirely change your life in, in every way from sexuality to, like April said, friends, business, family, to petting your dog, and, you know, going for a walk. It can change everything. Absolutely. I'm a meditator, did it this morning. So I absolutely agree with that and how many touchstones it touches on in your life. But back to communication, too. Sometimes I think we can get into those classic scenarios of relationships and then you expect your partner to know everything or them to have that same education. And I think it's an area that continually can we can all use new tools figuratively in our nightstand or just even with books and resources of podcasts because without that communication you don't know what your education level of your partner might be and what their knowledge of their own body and perhaps even your own body there's that communication in the bedroom too it's not all words it might be that movement it might be that flinch that and you have to read that of your partner and again if there's not a baseline of good communication. Another way your sex can easily suffer, at least in my eyes. Totally. It yeah. always comes back to communication. Yeah. And what we put in our, our book was um, a compilation of ideas and concepts that have really worked for us. So we take a lot of different tools and techniques from other modalities and practices like nonviolent communication. Um, there's some pieces there that we've been inspired by Brene Brown's work when it comes to speaking to and about shame. We have uh, something in there where we differentiate between big asks and small asks, which I think can be really helpful for people when they want to talk about something and they don't know if it is it a big deal, is it a little deal? We don't know. And it's we can't tell you what that is. Um, but it's helpful for, you know, if it's something something that feels light and and small, meaning like or little like a small ask. This is something that that you're assuming might be less triggering than a big ask. A big ask could be like, I want to have a threesome or I want to take a break from our relationship or I want to explore non-monogamy. Uh, and, um, and, and those are all like some sort of separation of losing love. But it could also be like, I don't know, I want like trying to sex toy in the bedroom could be a big ask for someone. It just depends. And a little ask or a small ask would be something that is feeling lighter, like, oh, you're touching my arm or my nipple and I'd like a different type of touch. And so we talk about how to differentiate those and then give you tools and how to navigate them in a, a way that feels really easy, at least for us. And then we have the CONNECT formula, which is an acronym. And we won't describe what all the C-O-N-N all, all stands for. You have to look at the book for that. And that is your guide to having the harder conversations, the challenging ones for the big asks, where you're like, oh, God, is this going to lead to defensiveness? And I'm really scared to have this conversation. And so we give you this kind of like, layered formula on how to do that. And you pick and choose what works for you because our whole book is designed to do that so that you can navigate it in a way that you can hopefully go in feeling safer, more at ease. And it's hopefully less likely to end in like triggering. I know another aspect to sex is sometimes when you're dating and it's just not a serious time and you're not ready to settle down. Do you have any tips for those who are having those perhaps one night stands, maybe two night stands, and to advocate for themselves in those situations and scenarios as well? Because you might not know the person and you might not want to be committing that much time into the communication aspect. But do you have any tips for those scenarios as well? We, we do talk about, I mean, obviously the book is for any, anybody, any gender, any sexual orientation, any relationship style and casual sex is a big part of what happens in a lot of people's lives. And that advocating for yourself when someone's new and you don't want to lose the love or potentially mm -hmm. like you want to, maybe you are, you want to have it uh, multiple hookups with them. Maybe not a relationship, but you're like, wow, they're really good in bed. I don't want to fuck this up by advocating for myself. And we actually, Reed Mahalko is incredible. He's been a guest on our show. He's an incredible sex educator. And um, we, we didn't steal. We we borrowed. He lent us his um. It's like 
It's actually, it's called the pleasure. For, it's like a formula. It's also an acronym, but it's about safer sex conversations, which mm-hmm. is usually what comes up um, not only in, like outside of the bedroom, but in, in the bedroom too, because with casual hookups, you do need to make sure what about what, what if there's um, a contraception error or like, I hate co- the word contraception, but what if you forgot <laughs> to take a birth? Error. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what if someone like Let's the condom see. broke yeah. or yeah. And you didn't talk about STI status and you're like, oh shit, like the condom broke. I have to tell you, I, you know, I, I slept with someone a few weeks ago that came to me and told me they have HPV. I, this is, I'm giving an example. This didn't happen to me. Uh, and, but, but talking about it and practicing with, people that maybe are casual do make it easier. And if someone runs or uh, is off put or never calls you back after you shared something with them that was maybe advocating for yourself and they they don't call you back or they ghost you, which we don't ever recommend, then that person's probably doing you a favor because you know that you don't really want to share your body with a person that doesn't give a shit about you advocating for yourself, at least in my opinion. And so you could go to that that kind of section in the book where it's it's kind of talking about talking about sex because it's hard. And even in LTRs, right, long-term relationships, it can be hard. And your body's always changing. Your needs are always changing. And practicing is really the key to what can help you have those conversations. It's that simple. Now, what does that mean? You can practice. You can, If you have a good friend, you can start practicing on them. Be like, hey, do you mind if I practice something? Because I read this in Shameless Sex and I'm terrified to, I've been hooking up with this new person and I know I need to talk to them. Can I practice on you? Or practice, you know, do a voice memo on your phone and, and practice and then kind of have, I, I like like bullet points in my brain where I have stuff written down that help me hit all of the marks because it you, you there's a lot to cover sometimes and you don't want to forget something. And if you're the person's starting to ask you more questions, you could lose sight of, what hello ADHD again coming up right I have to have bullet points you can you can make a PowerPoint presentation yeah, PowerPoint. with an answer pointer if you really want to <laughs> yes here you go or if it's really difficult to have the conversation perhaps you can write it down and be like I wrote you a, a text message or I wrote this down and and I want you to know all these things now in the bedroom it's it's the same but having these conversations outside of the bedroom first is important. Now, when it comes down to... And I think that's true with all relationships. That's, you yeah. know, just a little... It's not, you know, off-putting and it doesn't kill the mood and it also just doesn't put up your barriers, too. Yeah. And I would say adding yeah. to that is is if you feel like there's something that you should be speaking to about what you want, need, or desire in or out of the bedroom, you probably need to say it, right? We are like, oh, I have this feeling or this thought, but maybe I won't say it, or it's not the right time or how are they going to feel? And it reminds me of... <laughs> This is going to be a terrible example, but April and I are plant medicine people. We like to uh, sit with plant medicine. And one of the tips is like, if you feel like you're not feeling it in your body, you probably should get more, right? If you're like, should I get more? You probably should get more. So if you're like, should I say, I'd like less of this, more of that. Here's what I want. Here's what I need. Here's what I don't want. Here's what I need. You should probably say it. And it might not go perfectly. And like April's saying, and you were agreeing with like outside the bedroom can be really helpful. You could do this casual sex partners too. Like, if I'm meeting, sitting down with someone and I've never had sex with them before and I already know some things about what I like and I don't like, that's a great time to share it before we're naked. And now I might feel a little more afraid to share it because I'm more vulnerable. Uh, and be, I mean, we'll be like, oh, I'll do it in the moment if it comes along. And in the moment, you might not do it. So well, I want it's really to, helpful. So, and not to interrupt you, but I, I know that you'll agree with this. We um, had Dan Savage on our show and we were on his show. And, and I love him sometimes, how just candid and and just sharp and kind of real he is. And he's like, look, gay men have it down when it comes to casual sex. They tell you exactly what they want, what they don't want right away before you even get to anything. It's like, hey, I'm not a bottom. I'm not into sucking dick. And I'm here to get, you know, laid. And this, and I'm like, wow, the, question that is- that, the question they ask is, what are you into? That's like yes. a very simple question. So he's like, what are you into? have sex like a get communicate like a gay man. Yeah. And I'm like, he's so correct. Before you even touch your body, Before what are you, you into? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, hey, okay, well, I'm not into you because I want to, you know, I'm also a top or there could be a different, a million scenarios, um, but I'm just giving you a really uh, clear and concise example of uh, what communicating outside of the bedroom and being clear about what you want. Maybe you're like, look, I don't want any penetrative sex. Um, you can uh, you can go down on me. Uh, I won't give blowjobs. 
and uh, you can finger me, but there's no anal. <laughs> no, I actually love that because I think sometimes, and this is very much generalizing, women can sometimes overthink it. But to have that strategy of just to have your list and everything that you need to know, and it just takes that pressure off. But I also liked what you said, April, is about practicing with a friend too, because, you know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses and what's Maybe we don't know. So maybe this is a good way to even practice coming up with scenarios as we're talking with a friend about reliving some days and experiences to really go over and like, oh, question our story once again, back to kind of the beginning of it all. And yeah, I wish I would have. I wish I would have had this book when I was 20. <laughs> Me too. Because to to, I never could speak up for myself. And Absolutely. Um, th I, there were times where I, I would say, look, I, I I was pretty cautious with my body because of my STI status when I was like 17, meaning like I never wanted to share my STI status with everyone. because So I would just be like, I'm not going to have sex with you. And I'd say that, but I but they didn't know why. And so sometimes that would go on. And then usually they for a while and then they would stop calling me and I'm like, hmm. Maybe that's because I'm not being real and because there was un, like judgment, right? I could, I'm scared of what they're going to think and also uh, the rejection. And so it was easier for me just to be like, what it, I, I would like, I'll make out with you. We can have, uh, dry, you know, dry humping clothes on, um, which is fun. Well, but, really taking it back. Yeah. They're like, what? And, and then and dudes, a lot of times would tire of that and so I think honesty is is great when you want to just continue in a partnership with someone and that's why this book is so helpful because I probably would have had better conversations or conversations in general with those casual hookups back in the day I just let them go down on me that's all that's basically all I would do I loved your stories too back from your first sexual experiences and how those weren't great and how you guys found your own voice in throughout this journey. And I think it's so empowering. And the more we talk about it, the more we share our stories and relate so we can expand our knowledge and our own interest within our bedroom and our own skills. But it's so, I don't know, just the climate right now towards sex, there's just two such broad spectrums, it feels like. Completely open books or it's very puritanical Close. right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. very, very clamped. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's a very interesting time right now. But I think it's just so important, the education piece and to know, you know, back to how we began this conversation and how you began your book about our brains, how important are the stories we tell are to our experiences that we have in our bedroom. Is there any gauge you guys have on that within your even your own community? Are they kind of battling that because it is so broad right now? what's going on just in the community and around sex for everyone. I think that some sex educator folks would say it's getting better and it is in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of ways where it seems like it's two steps backwards too. So yeah. it really depends on the time and where you're, where you're living. Um, there's a lot of uh, avenues that we love seeing where it does seem like people are moving more from like sex negativity to sex positivity, um, embracing more. And when we say sex positivity it is, um, more uh, like uh, the authenticity around sex, the vulnerability around sex. It's knowing that it's okay and safe and not shameful to have sex, to talk about sex, all those things, to have feelings. Um, and still, at least for us, we, you know, we work, our, we wrote a book that says shameless sex on it. Mm -hmm. Our podcast says shameless sex. It is yeah. constantly being filtered out of so many categories and worlds because it is sex, right? If we had shameless intimacy, it would be different. We actually did, you know, a, a TikTok or YouTube video collaboration oh, really? with someone. Well, we, uh, we did with someone else, Susan Bratton. She's amazing. She's our, our yeah. sexual spirit, spirit animal. But she, in the in it, or and, I say not, but she said, so we can get traction. We Let's get rid of the word sex and say intimacy. So we're talking about our book. Our book was just called Shameless. And <laughs> when we're talking about sex, we use the word intimacy because, you know, YouTube and, and pleasure. TikTok, we need pleasure, pleasure too. We can right. say that, but, and so, this is something that I mean, I know we also so, didn't say penis or vagina. We were talking about the clinical. Yeah, mm -hmm. we were talking about the body. And so this is something that is I know social media is somewhat new ish, meaning like in the last decade or two, right? Or decade, maybe. Um, so that's not the easiest way to look at like, OK, are we moving forward into a direction where people are more open to actually talking about embracing sexuality? 
but it seems like it's getting worse and worse. And I think that that does speak to the general uh, uh, culture of the world, at least in the United States, where conversations around sexuality are still uh, they're still blacklisted. There's still something like that is not accepted. Big box chain stores, for instance, will carry our book online. They won't carry books on sex like in their stores. Um, maybe, maybe certain books like, and I, and I do think that we've cut, we, they're like, look at Gwyneth Paltrow and some of what she opened the, the door for people mm-hmm. to kind of think it was more, it, it was okay. It wasn't great to talk about sex, but I was just at the pet store yesterday and the owner was, cause I go in all the time to get my animal food. And he asked me what I do for a living just because it's been like five years of it going there. I was like, Oh, okay. yeah. So I said, I, I teach people about sex and relationships. And he was like, oh, and I was like, and I have a podcast. He's like, oh, podcasting's that's a man's world. I was like, it's it. And then he's like, yeah, podcasts, they're all about just the health world or UFC fighting or that he went on. Just listen to Joe Rogan. Is that all he's right. I, don't, I don't even know. He likes jazz music. I don't even think he listens to podcasts. So we went on this whole tangent. And then he and there was like a line of people. And I was like, OK, just ring OK, Bob. Yeah. And then he's like, what's the name of your podcast? So I was like, shameless sex. And he's like, oh, oh. Uh, and then he got uh, weird. And then the lady next to me was like, uh, uh. And then I was like, okay. So, and then it felt weird. I was like, I just said, sh- I'm sorry, I said shameless, shameless. Oh, but it, that's how we are. We're living in a world. That's how it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes uh, I'm walking on the street and someone will say shameless sex. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? Because we live in a small town and people do know us. And that makes me feel good when that happens because, or they'll come up and say, I love your podcast when they're playing with their kids, you know, because I live by an ice cream shop and I walk my dog and they're like, hey. And they won't say the podcast name, but they'll be like, I love your podcast. It's like we're therapists. We're not supposed and to identify sweet. the person yeah, you're working yeah, with. Yeah, it's a secret. You're like, do yeah. you know, where do you know me from? I can, uh, I'll just wait. I have a podcast. I won't say the name. Hinted. I don't regret what... having sex in the title, by the way, ever. I would never, oh, I don't well, regret. Well, because we're shameless, right? But it, it is just a challenge that I know. And it's not just us. It's other podcasters. But damn, sh- Showtime took that, took the shameless name from True. us. True. You were robbed. Robbed. Yeah. We were robbed. No, they had it before. <laughs> they did. They did have it before. <laughs> you had it mentally, though. You were yes. thinking about it first. Well, that's what it's just interesting, too. Just I come at it continually come at it from it's just about health. It's about you can't if you don't know what you want, if you don't have these conversations, you also can't advocate for your health at your doctor's office. You're also not going to know how to share about, you know, again, STIs, how to prevent them, how to even go to the supermarket to ask for the where the condoms are or the dental dams because you are so you're not shameless. You haven't built up that muscle yet. And I just keep seeing that just even in the wellness and health space when we're talking about femme care products and you still have to, you know, the hurdles in that industry is very similar, how they have to market and very kind of hush and wink, wink and nudge, nudge tones. And I, it's just very odd that it's not. Banking, do you know banks stuff. wouldn't, they wouldn't work with us if they knew we were, uh, maybe the small town community banks, but the big banks won't work with uh, like the, the sex industry in general sex toys We're in the same category as guns we are <laughs> no <laughs> guns so, and then yeah. aren't you guys again back to herbals and yeah and wine and being yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah it's it's funny so i just wanted to share a funny story that i just realized it's like a tangent but going back to what you were just saying so you, you ever go into like your your local pharmacy your drugstore or whatever I I mean we all do that, but I actually intent intentionally go to the condom and lube section because I work for a lube company and I like to go look at it. Yeah, and I still go there and want to hide a little bit, which is funny because I represented this lube company for ten years. I've been a sex educator since two thousand and eight. Sold dildos and sex toys left and right. We have this podcast, and I'll still go there and be like, my brain be like, what if so- someone sees me looking at the condoms and, stuff? and then I'm like, what? The- and so this is just like a little tangent piece of advice for people sorry feel like uh that's hard for you maybe do that as like an actual experiment where you go and stand in front of that section and hang out there and just see what feelings come up and also notice that no one really looks at you or gives a fuck what you're doing no i love like this story, story. similar yeah. very similar you guys um, do that at all in condoms buying condoms and 
you try not to make eye contact with the people passing by and you're kind of or like or like you have around. upside down when you're checking out you're like it's upside down you don't want anyone to see that it's condoms I to, when i used to be single <laughs> i would go and buy like 300 condoms because i was so like you don't get it over with well this one no this <laughs> one dude and i would just we'd use like 25 in a night or something crazy nice like, good and, and but i remember going and re-upping again it was the same lady down the street and she was like what going she on gave me a look she gave me a look and she was like weren't you just here i think she said like the other day i was like uh-huh i'm the same and person yeah i made him go and get the condoms that then after i was like you got to always go get the condoms now because that lady knows me i'm like on her radar those magnums i read this this one time i was at the grocery store again adding this tangent was just like these funny stories of like how people no, I, this is like 10 years ago so i was already working in the human sexuality field I saw this guy who used to go to my summer day camp, like from when I was, you know, like eight years old. Oh. And we would see each other around town like every five years and still somehow remembered each other's name as as an adult. Like, oh, you know, Amy Baldwin. I won't say his name. I saw him there and he had like something and then a box of condoms. And he's checking out and he was like a little like, oh, hey, now, Amy Baldwin, nice to see you again. And the nurse and I looked at what he had. I was like, you got a big night? Yeah, <laughs> 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 But what I was, but so my intention was to make it like make it light, you know, like yeah. light out of it, not like, oh no, hide your condoms because you're gonna go have the sexes. More like, oh, that looks fun, good for you. Like, high five, buddy, like, protect and yourself. See, yes, and they're magnets. That's a turn awesome. on. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I didn't say that part. <laughs> no, I used to my one of my first jobs. I don't think even in, in around anymore in California, but it was Long's Drugs as a high school. But the guys, that. yeah, the guys would even sometimes call. Do you guys have magnums? Yeah. Okay, yes, bro. Yes, yes bro. right now. Yeah. A yawn, yeah. yawn. A small yeah. pack for you then. <laughs> yeah. Well, when no. we used to, well, we, no, continue. And then I have to share a funny story too. <laughs> oh, well, and then to completely a recent story that I had an experience just to share. Um, married lady here and I had to go get plan B. And the lady who, and it was a CVS ride in, you know how they're always short staffed at the pharmacy. I didn't want to walk to the front. So with my one plan B, you know, shame, shame, <laughs> you with a bell. So I went to the pharmacy. She wouldn't help me. She was an older woman. She like said something under breath. And then, you know how they're short staffed. The pharmacist, you never see them, comes up and he rings me out because she wouldn't help me. And I was... Yeah, I was mortified. And like, once I got to the car, I was like crying because but oh it's God. just ridiculous. Again, to take care of your health. And yeah, and you're at a pharmacy. You. Wait, at overpopulation. Should... Come on, yeah. dude. I would have been like, yo, overpopulation. Yeah, also, their job is just to help people with their health. That's it. Yes, you don't need that's... your opinions. Don't fucking matter. It's just to help yeah. people with their health. When we used to work at the sex shop, the brick and mortar, Amy and her mom have just an online peer pleasure shop now, but they had a brick and mortar. And I used to bartend because... Uh, afterwards. So I had like two jobs. Yeah. And sometimes I'd help people. And it's a small town. Santa Cruz is fairly a small town, maybe like 85,000 oh, people I now. spend much. Yeah, we go there yeah. a couple times a year. Yeah, love so, it. So you'd see a lot of the same people. And I would love it because some some dudes would come in and buy a huge dildo, you know, like this massive dildo. And I'd the veins bursting. <laughs> I never I never judge. And then I'd see them and I'd be bartending. I was like, oh, hey. And they're like, Oh, they would, yeah, like, and this happened many times, not necessarily just the dildo, but with like porn because they would buy porn sometimes and, 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 and nice sex toys. And it happened quite regularly that they were almost praying that I didn't say anything in front of whoever they were with. And I never did. Dildo. You just yeah, tap at the, at the yeah. tip, you point a little yeah. more for him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like starting money Black from male. him. Yeah. Like, Ooh. You don't tip me. No, we wouldn't do. No, Canada. never, never. I was always. I felt like a. It was a, a patient client relationship. Even though I just worked at the sex shop at the time, I always felt like they have a right to their own privacy, and sex is personal. We used and, to yeah. also get just like the 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 Magnum condom at Long's Drugs that you you got. We would get like every day a prank call at Pure Pleasure from someone. Like I find it interesting. So a lot of them are young people. They're under eighteen, uh, and you can we we were able to tell the minute we'd say hello, like you know hello Pure or whatever, hi Pure Pure Pleasure, whatever. I don't even know how we answer, but anyways, <laughs> they've like. Two words were like, oh, we know this is fake. And they'd be like, do you have condoms? And yes. Do you have magnum condoms? Yes. Do you have big black ma magnum condoms? <laughs> yes. Or do you sell dildos? And so to me, so we were just the classics. We play with it for like two seconds and hang yeah. just hang up in them. But I think that that's really interesting because it shows young people's curiosity 
to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. Like they're and they're being funny, but you know the problem with their friends. Like, oh, look at me! Look, I talked about sex. I said dildo, and I like played a joke on the dildo lady. And but it <laughs> also shows like the curiosity is there. It's just that people are uncomfortable and untrained. You know, imagine if if kids were raised in an environment where it was totally normal to talk about my vi- you know, mom's vibrator or that you know about and not like you had to see your parents doing the thing, but it wasn't this no. yeah hush hush thing. I wonder if like Norway is getting those calls because Norway will have like, I mean, that's one of the many countries, not many, but one of the few countries that will have on mainstream cable TV at vibrator advertisements. Do you Same think Germany? Yeah. Do you think kids are picking up thinking it's really funny to be 13 and call about the dildo when it's just kind of normalized in their brain? Also like nude beaches or yeah. topless beaches <laughs> in Europe. Yeah. And there's nudity isn't treated so so wrong and as it is in our in our world and people do not it's the same with alcohol consumption you can drink whenever and so no one really they drink for casually it's like binge drinking and then you know falling face down in your throw up like well i think we just have a lot of these double standards these contradictions in our society so like oh women need to cover up and not show this but then the cheerleaders are wearing what outfit you know for the sports or even in sports what women are wearing compared to their male counterparts, just the different outfits and different choices. Yeah, there's just, so, I think that's yeah. definitely different standards. Is there an aspect or a tip that you guys you wish you had sooner from this book? The whole book? <laughs> right. Uh, I think we talked about a number of the pieces of the, the presence part, and I think it would have been hard as a young person the two that stand out for me, well, the main one would be, I really, really wish that when I was a teenager and I actually did receive comprehensive sex education growing up in Santa Cruz, but that still is what to do and not to do to get pregnant or not pregnant or get STIs or not get STIs. Right. So there's nothing like, here's how you masturbate. Here's how you experience pleasure. And I really, really wish that someone had told me that my pleasure was just as equally as important to anyone I was intimate with, if not more important as a vulva owner, if I'm we're hooking up with a penis owner, because I'm the receiving orifice in that, and receiving orifices, orifices take more time and, and energy to warm up, to receive, to actually mm-hmm. take something in. in. Uh, and so I really wish that because I, I grew up really putting penis owners' pleasure before my own and had a lot of compliant sex and sexual experiences that um, we're not great. And they, you know, my first sexual experiences, they kind of stuck with me for a while. It took a long time to undo those or work with those. So I really wish that I had received that. And our book shares a lot about that. Um, and I have plenty of other things. But what do you have, Chip? Uh, well, I would say you kind of mentioned this, Christina, a little bit that I think that takeaway from the book or maybe from life is that you are responsible for your own pleasure. Right. And no one, I mean, there are probably really great psychics out there, but no one can know exactly what you want all the time, day in and day out, if they're your long-term partner or if they're a new partner. They, they, they may have done something that worked really great on a previous partner and are doing it on you. And if you don't like it, you have to advocate for yourself. You are responsible for your own pleasure. I, I never really understood that concept in my, uh, yeah, definitely in my teens, throughout my 20s. Uh, there, I never really, I didn't know what I really liked. I knew that I didn't really enjoy sex back then because I didn't know what I liked. And so that's another piece of knowing what you understand, understanding what your body likes and understanding your pleasure. It starts with you. So that's where the sexual, um, the sexual self-practice comes yeah, in. Yeah. Absolutely. Today. I don't know yeah. why I'm like, uh, but I think y'all got the point, right? Hopefully. Yeah. It's well, it's important. And also waiting for someone to show you what you like too. Like mm-hmm. I was one of those people where instead of me figuring out what I liked, I was waiting for someone else to teach me. And if you're really lucky, it might go that way, but it usually doesn't. <laughs> or if you look at the well, movies and you're like, oh, that's how it's supposed to look. Yeah. Like in the movies. Yeah. Well, and then we're just kind of going back to and back to the stories I know and just going as a teenager too. Most of the Bible at that time was for sex was Cosmo. And again, though, it was all about penises and the dicks and how and what to do with them. So I'm like even the stories and, you know, tips and stuff was never about me. It was never about what I need and this and that conversation. It was how to get the dicks off and blah, 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 this dick and that dick. And it's like, okay, that's great. Yes, they need theirs, too. But how do I get my rocks off? And there was just no... I don't feel that conversation in that aspect given, especially when I was younger. So thankfully, there's shameless sex there out there now for everyone to have. 
Heck yeah. Could we do a couple rapid fire questions and I'll try to keep them rapid. I yeah. have to go on all the time. <laughs> I'm terrible at these. Me too, yes, but yes, like, I am. Do it. our best. I'm always like, I always, I always, I'm, I'm, I think I love these two because I'm nosy. And so that's my, you know, to know a little more about everyone. But what is a favorite free practice or resource that you guys love and utilize, whether that's a podcast, whether that's advice, whether that's exercise, whatever it may be? I used to like exercise, but I hurt my knee. Um, and I'd say <laughs> it's a theory podcasts. now, huh? Podcasts are really the only free form of free speech that you can get. And they're usually free. Obviously, the advertising's in there, but it's still free and um, most of the time. And I love podcasts. And I mean, I listen to a lot of different genres and a lot of them are crime because mm-hmm. I like crime. You could learn anything. I don't like yeah. crime, but I like listening about old crime. He loves crime shows. What about you, Amy? Uh, not crime shows. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, April, turn the crime shows. We're not going to bed to crime shows. That's <laughs> what I do. I watch crime shows before sleeping. And Amy's like, are you serious? This is right a now? terrible idea. Like, I can't anymore. I used to, but now I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'd say the best free resource, although it would be helpful if you had some tools on how to start this, would be meditation. You can do it anywhere, anytime. You can do it in your bed. You can do it walking. You can do it on an airplane. I'm doing it right now. Just kidding. I'm not. But uh, it's just really powerful for so many aspects of life. And it doesn't have to be a 20 minute like I saw Buddha or God or whatever. 10 minutes a day. You can do five. Minutes. You can do two minutes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is just I think that is a really great resource that everyone has. Back to that presence. And for the next question, keeping it moving. Wow, we're doing good. Um, okay. What is a ride or die product? It can be any type of product that you just have bought several times. You've gone through. She knows what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should have be- I should just beat you to it for fun. No. <laughs> the best lube ever on the market, uh, in my opinion, is my opinion. Um, but I've been a fan of Uber Lube since 2009, uh, and April is too. And, and, and Uber Lube is over 8,000 doctors. It's been around for a while, just, man. I, it's yeah. amazing. It's yeah. me with my acid reflux when it's, we were in Salt Lake City. It's Amy's like, exactly um, what I was like, yeah. what's mouth? It totally worked. We're not telling you all to do that. But it's like, the, if you got stuck on an island and you could only choose three things, you would, would probably want Uber Lube with you because it's mostly for sex and intimacy, and it's amazing. It's long-lasting. never gets sticky. I like I but also I want it all over my body. I've used it for lip gloss, I've used it for shaving as an eye makeup remover for hair frizzies. I've How's used your it for skin glowing today. <laughs> uh, it's Uber Lube, so it's it's fantastic. The highlights. Yes. <laughs> Can't go wrong. Probably. If you haven't tried it, y'all, I suggest trying it. it. It's amazing. I'm a so I'm an advocate for sex toys and I can tell you mine, but everybody's different. Everybody will like their own version and so my like my go-to that I love is the like a wand style vibrator. I love the Vim VIM by Fun Factory, but Magic Wand is the classic, the OG. Um, it's just quite large. So taking that with me everywhere is, you know, not fun. But then you get a compact mm-hmm. vibrator and you could get the air pulse vibrator. You could get a couples like uh like a vibrating cock ring. I love those for couples play that you could put on a penis. Um and so sex toys are something that's changed my life for the better. I don't know what I'd do without Hell them. Hell yeah. You're not a carry-on kind of gal, are you? <laughs> I'm always trying to wrap my hands, my my head around like these people with these tiny little carry-ons, and I'm like, my flip flops wouldn't even fit in there. I don't know how they do. I know, I feel you. I travel. I love leather and like heavy kind of textiles. Like I wear yeah. a lot of like, and so. It's just my suitcase will just weigh so much I can't even get it on the above my head I'm because I'm like carrying sex toys on and putting it on the very top of the suitcase so that they won't search my suitcase in case I have like a nail clipper I don't want them to take because they don't <laughs> want to touch anything when they see that. That's true. Or <laughs> they will sometimes poke pack. around. They'll Black poke pack. around. Yeah, yeah, they got a poker. <laughs> That's a good trip. And then what is something that lights you guys up? I know even with a bit busy schedule is there something that you guys come back to within your lives that just really lights you up and makes fills your heart music i love music so much oh my god the little animal yeah. faces though when the world is hard and i look at my little 15 pound weasel dog who is a total street rat from san francisco who's a half asshole half the sweetest thing ever it just reminds me that the world is full of adorableness and all is well. <laughs> yeah. I love my dog, too. He's he's a brat, but I love him. Mine's so the asshole. Much. Hers is the brat. And they're both under 50 me. pounds. He's been kicking me during this, and he's this podcast. I'm like, oh, I'm like moving around. I he's love behind him. us. He's I just love kicking him. us. I'm like, yeah. yo, sorry you can't get comfortable, bro. And the other, I know you're busy. The other one I'll add to that, April will probably agree with, is travel. We were really big on seeing the world, get zones, since we were like oh, yeah. 18, um, together and separately as well. And it's really important to us for our, our well-being. It helps, helps us feel alive. Absolutely. To all of those, I 
love them all. <laughs> Thank you again to Amy and April for coming on and sharing their time and their wisdom with us and many laughs. You can again find Amy and April's book, Shameless Sex, Choose Your Own Pleasure Path to Unlock the Sex Life You've Been Waiting For in the show notes and where books are sold. It is out now. And as I mentioned many times in this episode, it's a great book. So if you're looking for a gift for yourself or for a loved one, it would make a great gift for this upcoming Valentine's season. And you can find the link to their book in the show notes. And I would also like to thank today's sponsor, Higher Dose. And you can get 15% discount site-wide on their website, which will also be linked down below. And you can get 15% off with the code EVERGREEN. And if you found value or had any laughs with today's show, please help support the growth of this podcast by rating and reviewing as that is the easiest way to help us grow and to get to the top of the charts. We are always listening to our community, so please share any thoughts, feedback, or future guests and ideas that you would like to see on the show. I look forward to chatting with you in the next episode. Bye!